Hello everyone and welcome to King's Talk presented by Cap City Crown. This is Tony with me. As always, we have John. It's only been two games since last we spoke. Unfortunately, we couldn't uh, get our revenge against the Pelicans on that Wednesday night game. Losing to the Pelicans second time uh, in the second game in a row. And then Friday, the Kings moved to 3-0 and in the in-season tournament against the Timberwolves, breaking that two-game skid. 3-0 in the in-season tournament, though. That's pretty cool. We have a huge game tonight against the Warriors. If the Kings win that, they basically clinch the Group C that they're in, and will move on to the knockout stages. If they lose, uh, they still have a chance. Um, there's like a lot of parameters on how they could get in. John, how you doing? How was your Thanksgiving, sir? Oh, it was it was great. It was a good Thanksgiving. A lot of a lot of consumption. What more could you ask for? You eat anything special? Do anything good? Um, did I eat anything special? Mm, I mean, my my Nona's man, her Thanksgiving dinner was super good. Just the usual stuff from her, but I, man, and then I had some ham. Uh, went over to my wife's house um, or her family's house, I should say. <laughs> Your wife and you live sl- separately. <laughs> yeah. I went over to her house. Saw the kids for the first time in a couple months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I guess you got to see them every now and then. But um, now, just, you know, usual Thanksgiving. It was nice having a few days off there. See some family you don't see. See some friends coming out of town. You know, just, just usual Thanksgiving stuff. What about you? I don't know. I don't know what it is about this time of year. I'm just tired all the time. If you feel that, you're just tired, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of getting into that time of year. Like, I'm in my house right now, and I'm just freezing. It's just like, I, I run cold, too, so I'm like, cold. It gets dark out early. I'm just like, by the time that, I mean, it gets dark at like 5 o'clock now. Which sometimes I hate. Like, I hate leaving after 5 nowadays. I'm like, man, it's really dark. I don't want to go out. But yeah, I just like, I try to like lay in bed by like 8 o'clock. I'm like, shoot, it's been dark for the last three hours. But... I, yeah, just, it's winter for you, really. I mean, it's really starting to feel like winter in sack, even though it's, you know, still technically fall. But it's still, it's it's definitely getting there in sack. That's why the almighty God made the greatest antidepressant of all time for this time of year. Kings basketball. Yes. Sacramento Kings basketball, especially, you know, uh, with the cherry on top being the NBA Cup. The NBA Cup. But before I went on this diatribe about, or you went on this diatribe. You went ahead and asked me how my Thanksgiving was, which is just a ridiculous thing to ask. We were talking about the parameters for who can win that NBA group. Was it Group C and and make the tournament in Las Vegas? And it's kind of interesting because the Kings beat the Timberwolves on Friday. The Timberwolves beat the Warriors at one point, and then the Warriors can beat the Kings. And set up for a situation where they're all three and one. Yes. <laughs> so if the yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. Warriors beat the Kings and Timberwolves beat OKC tonight. The last of the playing or the group stage games, I guess they're not playing games. The last of the group stage game, group stage games, they'd all be three and one. So I mean, if, if, if basically if the Kings do not win. Tonight against the Warriors, I'll read you what will have to happen for the Kings to clinch a group stage spot. And I hope this makes sense to you. So basically, if Sack wins, 
then or sorry, if Sacramento loses, then Minnesota will have to win. Because if Minnesota loses to OKC, then the Warriors will have the head-to-head against the Kings as the only three and one teams in the group. And if the head-to-head automatically goes to the team who won so then uh it would not matter point differential would not matter at that point golden state would move on to the group stage if sack loses minnesota would have to win against okc and then it would just come down to point differential at that point so they'd all be three and one the team with the highest point differential would win at that rate and if they're somehow it's tied i think it moves on to something else but i don't think the point differential should be a problem at the moment the kings have a 22 point lead on the point differential over the warriors and a 31 point lead over the timberwolves in a point differential so basically Sack needs to win, and if Sack loses, Minnesota will have to win, um, and that shouldn't really matter too much, uh, unless like the Kings just really just get blown out of the water, you know. So we'll see. Yeah, that point differential thing is interesting. Because how much did the Kings beat Minnesota by? They beat them. I think I have it here. I think like eleven. They beat them by right? thir- twelve points, I think, or thirteen points. Okay, I guess that's not as much, but. That's interesting, but the Minnesota's in the positive on point differential. Sacramento just has a better lead. But I no, think Minnesota's not. Minnesota's not in the. Are they in the negative? They're in negative. Three How are you in the-, in the? So were all their games prior to that close? I guess. I mean, yeah. OKC's one and two, and they're and they're just eliminated. They can't make it, but they have a twenty-seven, like a positive twenty-seven. They're only one point below the Kings. Oh, and the Kings have the best point differential in the group. The Lakers have the best point differential, I believe, in like all the NBA at 74. They went 4-0. and Like, dang, 74? Would you guys just win by 20 every game? Pretty close to it. It's crazy. OKC must have beaten the crap out of San Antonio, but which <laughs> would it, make them the didn't only Didn't we team, all? Think... <laughs> they, have like, they have like a point differential of like negative 70-something. Well, well, Golden State played uh, San Antonio on Friday, right? Yeah. And I think Golden State went into that game with a minus one in point differential. <laughs> okay. And they were beating the crap out of the Spurs in the second half. But the Spurs, you know, God love them, kept fighting. And I think they cut the lead down. I think Golden State had only ended up winning by like eight or ten points. Okay. <laughs> it got a little close there. So what's, cause what's Golden State's point differential total right now? Six. Six. So they probably only won by a few points. Because I think they were minus one going to that day, so I don't know. That's interesting, but that would, I, just, interesting. I would just feel like, and I don't know. I, I I feel like I don't watch soccer tournaments unless it's like the World Cup every once in a while. Maybe when I was younger, but does it ever happen where? Because if Golden State won this this group, I would feel like I'd be really surprised. Because I feel like it, there's for the longest time, it's kind of just felt like two horse race with. Minnesota and Sacramento. Like if Golden State won, I, I would just be like, "This is a fraud. This is like a complete sham." I wonder, does that happen often in soccer group stages? Uh, probably. I don't know. I don't really watch soccer outside the World Cup myself. Yeah, I don't know why that was so but, interesting to me, but <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of a note too. The Kings can. There is one wild card team in each division. Or sorry, each conference. So if the Kings do lose, they they still have a chance to take the wild card. The Suns are three and one right now. Well, they couldn't beat the Suns, I guess, because the Suns have a point differential of thirty four, 
and the Kings have 28. So if they lose, they would their point differential would drop. So no, they can't win the wealth card. So they have to win. They have to win the group. Never mind. Scratch that. <laughs> well, you know, we get the we get the gist, and you gave an explanation, even if you were doing it in the reverse order. But yeah, so they I mean, can't win the wild card. Yeah, group or nothing, baby. Go all in. Trade be- for Kevin Durant just for one game. I wonder <laughs> if you could do that, just like a one game rental. <laughs> just release him. We'll crazy. sign him. We'll sign him to a ten day. Yeah, exactly. Can you sign someone to a one day? Is that just illegal? No, I think it's just a. I think you just have ten days in two ways. Ten days in two ways. That sounds like <laughs> ten days in two ways. Sounds like an album or yeah. a book. Sounds <laughs> a salacious novel. <laughs> um, <laughs> ten days in two ways. Yeah. Well, how do you feel about the NBA Cup? I mean, I feel like when we when it got announced, we weren't too on board with it. And I feel like when we talked about it a few weeks ago, it was, we were we gave it some credit because of the the way that some of the players are responding to it, at least off the floor or on the floor. I mean, have you has your opinion of it changed at all? No, I mean, well, yes, it, it's changed since it started. I thought it's kind of. I mean, I'm still kind of like, okay, what's the point of having this cup? I guess other than more entertainment value. But, like, watching it now, like, I don't know, games in November aren't that exciting. Like, they're a little exciting, but not like it is down the stretch. So I think it kind of adds, like, that element of actually caring. Like, who cares about the Tuesday night game, you know? Well, now it means something towards the NBA tournament. Like, this game on Tuesday or tonight, like, it's already a big game. Draymond's returning. The Kings versus Warriors again after losing to them twice already. It's our return to home for the Kings. I mean, so it's already a big game, but now it's like, man, whoever wins this game might win the group stage and the only chance to go to the knockout stage. So it kind of just adds that intensity. And yeah, I mean, there's already so much intensity in the NBA with, you know, I feel like there's just a bunch of awards given out now with the play-in tournament and already half the, over over half of the teams being able to make it to the playoffs. So it seems kind of just like something on that as well, but it still, I mean, it still makes it fun, I guess. At least it's not like to get, at least it doesn't have any ramifications for like the actual NBA championship, I suppose. It's just like a fun little thing and it just makes the games a little more interesting, you know? Yeah, I got to be honest. I think it's worked better than I expected in the group stage. I think you laid it out pretty well, especially with this last game. It's just, it's another layer. And I think it was really smart to make Golden State and Sacramento be the last you know, make Golden State Sacramento's last opponent and vice versa for the group stage. I think it's working out really well. I'm going to be really interested to see how the tournament works out because it's going to be fascinating to see what happens to, first of all, like what? There's eight teams in the tournament, so 22 teams are just going to have a week off. Like, is that going to be beneficial? Is that going to hurt teams? And then I'm, I want to know how that tournament's going to feel because I really don't know how it's going to go because... The group stage is so, again, it's that added element because it's already a season game and all that. And you can add in extra excitement factors like the Warriors and the Kings do. And there's probably other matchups around the league that do that a little bit. But, it, you know, just having like a, like a, almost an arbitrary just tournament, just this random thing in Vegas, I don't know. I feel like that's going to be a bit of a turnoff. I think it's just going to be weird, you know? And it's so early in the season. I, I always, I, mm-hmm. I always wondered, like maybe they should have done this like 
closer to the all-star break and try to incorporate the tournament into the all-star break but then it's like now you're eliminating a break for a select few that everybody would get otherwise but i don't know it's i'm really interested to see how that tournament works out because i think that's going to be the most foreign feeling thing because at the end of the day it's just like you would have had these games on the schedule anyways Mm -hmm. so it'll be really interesting when they just wipe out a week on the schedule and go all right Single elimination, let's go. Just in the beginning of December, basically hardly two months into the year. Yeah, so so a, a whole, like every team that's not in this tournament gets that week off. I'm still kind of confused. Yeah, no, I mean, is, it, is that look, correct? Yeah, because if you look at any team's schedule, that whole thing is wiped out. Mm. And it's just reserved for the in-season tournament. So I don't know if, I, I would imagine te- teams would be practicing then. I don't think guys would be getting time off, or maybe they will. Maybe they'll be in Vegas watching the tournament. I don't know. It's a bizarre thing. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know. It feels like it could, I mean, it could be beneficial or, you know, not beneficial for those teams that are off that week. It's almost like a all-star break early into the season. It almost, like, breaks up the season into three segments. You have the beginning of the season, the season between the tournament and all-star break, and then you have the post-all-star break. So, I mean, it's it's still super early, but, I mean, this is when you started seeing Kevin Herter's decline last year. You start, um, or his numbers decline last year, and Harrison Barnes start to get to get tired, you know, in the season. So I could see it being beneficial for those guys who just kind of need a break two months into the season. Because, I mean, you saw Herter's numbers rise, or you always see Barnes's numbers rise after the all-star break. So... Sometimes that week off is just all you need. And it's just like a nice little <laughs> break during the middle of the season. So you don't just go on a three-month slump <laughs> until that all-star break, kind of like Herter did last year. But then again, like for some teams, it's still early on. Maybe you're just starting to find your groove and then, oh, you have a week off now. And then you kind of lose it. So I could see it being beneficial and the other way around of uh, having this week off in December. Yeah. I just wonder, like, if this happened to the Kings last season, like, the Kings were just getting rolling. Um, I mean, they were, they, yeah, in late November and whatnot, going into December, they were getting things rolling and really kind of making themselves known. What would have happened if they had a week off? Like, would that, would have, would, would that have screwed with their momentum? You know, maybe that would have been good, because I know I think they went on a trip in December last year. I think they looked a little gassed, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think they went to, like, Philly, New York uh boston maybe i think that was this thanksgiving week so maybe it would have been good for them oh yeah you're right but Mm -hmm. also it's like you're like you said earlier it's like laying some teams are laying the foundation and finding a groove and it's like you could disrupt that like what's gonna happen to a team like okc that's played i mean (laughs) okc might be a bad example because they got some off the court matters to to kind of fan away (laughs) but uh you know i don't know houston maybe i don't know i mean like or like a team like, well, Phoenix is going to make the tournament, so they're going to play. But, you know, if you had a team that was winning 6-7 straight, and it's just like, well, you're going to take away our ability to have momentum here. I mean, it affects the teams in a variety of ways, both good and bad. But I do kind of feel like, since basketball is such a game of rhythm, and of course rest is good, but that might be just a little bit too much of a gap for some teams. So it'll be interesting to see what teams are trending up or have been trending up that all of a sudden see a decline but i you know i could be wrong obviously some teams could really really benefit from that but i just kind of feel like it'd be a little bit more negative 
in terms of the 22 teams that have to sit out. And then even if you lose that first tournament game, you have most of the week off probably, you know? So mm-hmm. I guess it's all kind of experimental in year one, but I think that's definitely going to be the weirdest part because admittedly, as dumb as I thought this was to start, and I don't really think it's dumb now because players are kind of into it and it's like if they're into it, then it's a thing. You know, it exists now. So, yeah, but it's nice that the group stage has gone well, but I just don't. It's going to be I'm really fascinated because I don't know if it's going to be good or bad or somewhere in the middle for how that tournament's going to go in Vegas, Las Vegas. Yeah. I mean, when did it start? The the, the second or the seventh or neither? I think it's Sunday. I think it's Sunday. So the third. OK, the third. So, I mean, it's like it's like a week away or this week, the end of this week or beginning. Don't they teach you in kindergarten Sundays, the beginning of the week? But now it's like the end of the week as an adult. I always found that interesting. Yeah. Wait, is it the beginning of the Was it ever the beginning of the week for you? I mean. I feel like it was always the seventh day, you know, like in the Bible. That is true. Well, in church, it is. Yeah, because we went to Catholic school. But then there's that song. It goes Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, oh. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So, I mean, isn't that essentially saying Sunday is the first day? Yeah, I do think there. I think outside of America too. I think there are a lot of countries that orient their calendar. Well, isn't on the calendar calendar, Sunday? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Sunday is the first day. Yeah, I don't know. So it's either at the beginning or end of the week, depending on (laughs) how you depending how you. (laughs) Yeah, but it'll be you know I won't care I guess if the Kings aren't in it. It's weird that the Kings are three and zero. It's like, yeah, they may not make it. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Like, I know it's that's what I was saying earlier. It's like if the Warriors win it, I'm gonna feel like this is a complete sham. Like, what? <laughs> they won. They won the to the the group. Like that would just that would be mind blowing. Yeah, it would kind of such suck. a twist. Yeah, yeah. And you'd be losing to the Warriors, who you really gotta beat. Oh, man, I mean, we're we're zero two against them on the season. I don't really want to fall to the Warriors 0-3 in November. So I think I mean, they beat them. I think they beat them last season in the third matchup. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> Take that to the betting stand. Let's go. Third times a charm. That's what everyone's gonna say. <laughs> third times a charm is what Golden State said in the playoffs. <laughs> but yeah, NBA Cup, baby. The NBA Cup. Kings inaugural winners. I like because it's so funny. I feel like uh, Halliburton's and Sabonis's paths just continue to maybe cross because of media. But it's like I, I was reading like the NBA's or Bleacher Reports or like one of those me- like you know say what you will about these media outlets. They are the major ones, and people you know see them the most. So one of these major sites put out like the top two, like the MVP candidate, like um, odds, I guess, for the M- the NBA Cup, and it's like Halliburton one's a bonus two. I just feel like they're always just. I mean, of course, they're always going to get compared and stuff, but I don't know. <laughs> it's just funny. It's like, all right, well, here we go again. I imagine the pace. I mean, I bet the NBA tries to push the Pacers versus Kings in the Cup. It's an option, probably. You know, there's probably a bunch of different combinations that they would they would like. They probably have them ranked. Probably have a big board. They probably. I mean, yeah, of course they do. What do you think would be number one? Do you think it would be like a finals rematch or like a? I don't know. Lakers Celtics. 
You, I, you know what? I, I personally think, I, I think the the Kings Pacers one's higher than you think. Just because I saw like that major outlet put the Halliburton and the Kings, and I mean, it'd be fun to see the NBA Cup like two like powerhouses. But I also feel like you don't want to like just like all right, here it is, like the like the two finals favorites. I feel like that'd just be kind of boring. It's like oh, like are we just gonna watch this in six months mm. too? I think it'd be fun to like do like two like smaller teams as they call in the WWE. It's like the mid card, you know. It's like the the intercontinental or the U.S. <laughs> championship. And yeah, I'm referring, I'm uh I'm comparing it to that. You don't want the you don't want the world heavyweight championship to be this cup. You want the mid card. You want the intercontinental championship bout for this one. Right. This isn't WrestleMania. This is the NBA Cup. Yeah. This is SummerSlam. You know. <laughs> So it's war games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, 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 so I personally though. think, I, I don't think you, yeah, I think you want like the, the up and coming teams to give like a chance for the spotlight, you know? And specifically that Sacramento and Indiana kind of matchup just from the economic factor. Cause part of the reason they put it at this time of the year is to compete with football, both college and NFL football. To a certain mm-hmm. degree, at least like, you know, in terms of trying to keep up with revenue. And like, I don't know, Indiana, I, f- I feel like is the Pacers for NBA teams. They represent probably a lot of the middle of the country, which watches a lot of college football. And then like Sacramento is a huge portion of 49ers fans, you know, like what if we can steal some eyes, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's just I'm kind of in over my head thinking that that sounded <laughs> better in my head. But yeah. Pacers Kings would be cool, you know. Fox and Halliburton, Sabonis and Halliburton, you know. Buddy Heald, yeah, buddy, yeah. And the Pacers are doing well this year. Halliburton's getting a lot of uh, media attention. I mean, he's having a great year, like twenty-five and twelve. Mm-hmm. So it would be a good, it'd be a good time to promote those, like those stars. Like Fox is already a star. Halliburton's a star. Sabonis is a star. But it'd be a good way to promote them, considering you're not really expecting them. At least, you know, to be in the finals. Maybe a deep playoff run for the Kings over more so than the Pacers, I'd say. But I still think those teams aren't finals teams yet. Well, that's a factor, though, because they're not quite finals teams yet. But it's like if you can kind of build a little bit of a backstory when they do become finals teams, barring any kind of major franchise like hiccups, you know, if they do meet in the finals, then all of a sudden it has a better kind of like sizzle to it. You know, so yeah, that's a great mm-hmm. point. I hadn't really thought about that. It'll just be like, I don't know, what teams are ahead? Like, what, who's leading each group right now? Do you know? Like, is Indiana going to make that tournament? Yeah, they won it. They're, they went oh, okay. 4 0. Good for them. So they're 4 0. Yeah. So, in the, I mean, it looks like it's, I don't know. I don't know who plays because the Magic are 3 and 1, but the Celtics are 2 and 1 in their group. And so are the Nets. So it's like, I don't know who's playing the Magic tomorrow night. I guess I can look. But, I mean, the Pacers are going to make it. or They're 4-0, so they won the group. Lakers are 4-0, they won the group. That's, I think that's it. looks like for the clinch. Who's ever mm. clinched it? Yeah. That'll be interesting to see what happens Tuesday night or tonight with Golden State and Sacramento. It's just like, it just kind of gets you a little more into these games. And it, it, it'll suck if the Kings don't make the NBA Cup. And you'll be like, oh, this is stupid. But if they do make it, it's like, well, it's kind of fun now. Yeah, that's a good point. It really depends if your team makes it or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's going to suck if they don't. It's going to be awesome if they do. And it's it's such a short cup. There's only three games. 
to win the championship. You got the group stage game, the championship game, where you got, you know, it's 4-2-1. That's the thing. Four teams, two teams, one team in each conference. So, I mean, relatively short. I still don't really know the dates off the top of my head. I'm assuming if it starts Sunday, it'll probably be done by the following Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I'm... I feel like the NBA Cup Finals probably on that, or does it go? I don't know. I need to pull up that schedule. <laughs> I know, because it'd be weird for them just in terms of the way. Te- well, they would want to put the NBA Cup Final up against Sunday Night Football or something like that in terms of TV. So they probably would want it on Saturday. Uh, let me see what the exact. <laughs> no, I'm trying to look it up. Time too. frame is format. Schedule. Yeah, it only runs Sunday. They don't have Sunday marked off. And I'm sure most teams have that Sunday off. I think it's on. It must be on Saturday night, just based on the way it's shown on the schedule, because it's just got that whole week marked off. Play a few of those first round games, and then probably through the first two days, and then maybe do. I don't know. Oh, here it says there's probably already a set schedule. The quarterfinals start December fourth, and they'll be December fourth and December fifth. The semi is December 7th, and then the championship December 9th. So it'll go from the... Oh, it'll start Monday. It'll go from Monday to Saturday. Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday, Thursday for the two conferences. And then there's Fridays off, or...? Uh, Yep. So yeah, Monday, Tuesday for the quarters. Thursday for both semis. Saturday Ah. for the championship. And I don't, I don't think there's, I don't think there's a third and fourth place game. So not that I saw at least. There, there isn't. There should be. That'd be so fun. I feel like those are the best. Really, I never care about those. You know, like Canada, Canada, and United States. <laughs> Jordy Fernandez, Dylan Brooks, <laughs> doing it for Canada. It's all funny. I never even watched that game. You just hear about it so much. You're like, yeah, yeah, that happened. <laughs> yeah, I know about that. Yeah, for real. <laughs> I don't know anyone who watches those. No. <laughs> unless, like, again, unless it's like a World Cup and you're like 17. You're like, yeah, I like soccer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, the Kings, again, they have a chance at that NBA Cup. They they still appear to be playing well. I think despite that second loss in New Orleans, they brought it. They brought the energy back up. I think they were really gassed on Monday. But on Wednesday, they played a lot better. Made it a game. Came up short. But... Part of the reason that the Kings have looked good in the really, really, really short term, even in terms of the short season, but these last two games, a guy that's given them obviously a big lift is the guy they've been missing all season, Mr. Trey Lyles. And uh, it, it seems like he makes a big difference whenever he's out there. He's constantly playing at critical points and whatnot. I mean, have you seen an uptick in terms of play just because Lyles has been back and again it's only been two games and they technically been one and one so but I just feel like just on the eye test it's been jumping off the off the screen yeah I mean nothing's screaming at me so far but it's just so nice having Trey in there I mean he's just he's just great you know I mean I guess that's all that it says is that he's a great player he's gonna knock down threes he's hitting what like six of 13 I think he wrote so that's already a high, pretty high clip for him from three, which is important. And I, yeah, I mean, it's just nice having him back there. He's such a good role player. He does his job so well. And I mean, he, you still had him in the locker room, but he's definitely a leader on that court too. Even though he maybe not like a Fox a bonus leader, but 
I think it's like knowing Trey Lyles is there and has your back. I think that's important for those players, especially when you saw um, when uh, Lyles got in the face of Brooke Lopez and stuff. I mean, he's shown that as a leader on the court. So it's nice, you know, just his presence in general. I think it's just a little boost in morale for everyone, even though that they couldn't beat the Pelicans on Wednesday. Yeah, he's just such a steady, confident, does the right thing every time for the most part, a high effort on the boards, running the floor, getting into open spots on the perimeter. He's 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 great, but he's just also that he's that glue guy that just allows for so much versatility in terms of what Mike Brown can throw out there because he can play the four, he can play the five. He can even kind of, you even saw him, I think in that first game with New Orleans, they had, I believe, Lyles, Vizenkov, and a center out there. And I think Vizenkov was technically the three, but, you know, that two through four kind of being interchangeable sort of feel of Mike Brown's team and a lot of the modern NBA. It just, he's so versatile and he gives you kind of a little bit of everything he can plug into and offer you a bunch of different things. He can allow you to get other guys that can come in and, and, and do other things just because he can play so many different positions and guard different guys. He's so important to the team. And I know he's not technically a top five player or whatnot, but it's just like, in terms of a guy that is a star in his role, that is, and maybe the role is not huge, but it's, in terms of filling it, he's a little irreplaceable. You know, mm-hmm. you can't really plug in anybody to be like Lyles in terms of coming off the bench and doing what he does. It's just hard not to appreciate the guy. Even if you're not a fan of the team, if you watch the Kings for just a little bit, I feel like everybody would pick Lyles as a top three player in terms of their, their personal favorite. Because he just does the right thing. He just plays the right way. And also, you know, he just seems like a really down-to-earth and, you know, guy who's been around the league forever bounced around a lot he's seen a lot of different things probably faced a lot of different like challenges in terms of being a professional and he's just so level-headed and cool and you can see it in the way he plays he's smooth you know there's something about him so I have nothing but good things to say about Lyles and I just think in a two-game span from the shooting to the rebounding to the help he gave defensively I know they didn't stop Zion but on Tuesday I feel like he had a couple of really good moments late I think he got schooled a couple times by Zion, I think in the late first, early second quarter. But by the end of it, I think he forced a turnover. He helped defend a few shots. And it didn't make a huge difference. I think Zion basically had essentially the same game. But he he made it a little bit harder on him. And I think basically through his first two games, I mean, it's hard not to give Lyles like an A in terms of just coming in and doing what he did last season, which again was being a star in that role. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would personally say Trey Lyles is irreplaceable for his role on this team. Like, you have Sabonis, irreplaceable, and so is Fox. But, like, Lyles, for for his role, right? Like, I I could see you trading, like, I I mean, I can't see you. But, like, if you traded Malik Monk for, like, the next top six men in the league, like, sure. Like, I could see that, you know, being plausible. You probably wouldn't want to mess up chemistry. But honestly, like what Lyles does, you're not going to find, you, you wouldn't trade him for that. Like we're talking about these trades and the Kings are, you know, involved in talks with Levine and, uh, you know, and Ananobi Siakam. I mean, Lyles just has to be off the table just because what he does in his small role, I guess off the bench and stuff, his small role, and maybe it's not small, but, you know, he's not a starter, not even like the first guy off the bench like Monk, but he's just invaluable, really. And that's just high praise for what he does. It's kind of crazy. I haven't really seen a guy like Lyles on the Kings in a minute where he, he'll come in, play, what, 18 minutes a game, but make such a, you know, lasting impact. 
and one where it's like you can't get rid of this guy. Like you need him on your bench. Uh, just the the combination that he brings is kind of rare in terms of the level he does it at. I don't know, like off the top of my head, players like Lyles are not exactly they're like like him in ways, but they're not a hundred percent like him. And I'm sure there's somebody that is a four and a small five that can do a lot of the things Lyles does that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head. But you know, again, it's like I don't know, maybe coming to mind, it was like would Caleb Martin? No, Caleb Martin's more of like a on the Heat. He's kind of more of a wing. I yeah, think. I think he's more of a wing. Maybe a three-four. Yeah, I think. But he kind of has that body and that he can kind of stretch the floor sometimes for them, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. I was also thinking like someone I thought a lot last year was like Kyle Anderson, but Kyle Anderson is a little slower. Obviously, Slow-mo? is he as good of a shooter as Lyles? I don't think so. I think Kyle Anderson can hit open ones, but I think uh, Lyles is the better three-point shooter. Yeah, there's just something about Lyles in terms of combination of skill set, his physical attributes. It's unique, and it's it's highly valuable. And he just does so much. Again, he's that glue guy. He allows you. He keeps things together. He'll stick it. You know, you can do so many different lineups with him out there. And his functionality off the bench is it's always making an impact in some way. Yeah, Trey Lyles, dude. Everyone loves him. He's a fan favorite, if not the fan favorite outside of Fox, I'd say. I mean, I just, I've only ever seen great things said about Lyles online, and he's just, he's class act. And like I said, again, he's irreplaceable for this Kings team. He really is. I think another thing that we've seen over a larger stretch, I guess, you know, over the road trip, which was pretty good. I mean, they lost two to New Orleans, but. Going four and two on a road trip is really, really good. And I think something you've really seen is the fact that two guys that are also, at least their impacts, are kind of invaluable. It's Kevin Herter and Harrison Barnes, who I think have been playing really well over the last week plus. And I mean, it's just such a stark contrast because maybe they didn't get off, you know, Herter didn't get off to the best start of the season. I think Harrison Barnes has kind of like ebbed and flowed early on in the season but has kind of picked it up since. But lately, it's just been a, such a contrast to what we saw in the playoffs, which really hurt the Kings when both of those guys were gassed, not really producing much on either end or really anywhere. And it just kind of like raises the point of how important they are. And maybe that's like obvious already. But, you know, we talked about like Kevin Herter working on his conditioning and stuff like that. And Maybe we even talked at the beginning prior to training camp about would they give Harrison Barnes more rest? Maybe not games off because he's not into that. He wants to play all 82, which is respectable. But like maybe less minutes, especially down the stretch of the season, to try to preserve this. Because I just think there's so many different ways to to get the message across and to see the message that, man, these guys being that kind of like you know, the other starters not named Fox and Sabonis, basically, how important they are to play at a certain level. And I feel like you're just seeing that lately. And it's just like, do you think that the Kings should try to plan to kind of prolong that and make sure that that is kind of the case when playoff time comes around? Because again, you see it when it's not there in the playoffs last year, and you see it when it's there, you know, right now and most of last season, how much that helps the team out. Do you think that the Kings kind of have to have some big picture planning when it comes to this, or do they kind of just let these guys go and, see what happens now that's a good point and something i haven't really ever thought about um i mean yeah it would make sense to give him some rest you know just maybe uh 
play him less minutes each game because they are they're they're very helpful when they're playing well it's like the the kings usually win those games right when herder or barnes struggle that's when they tend to lose those games so i mean if they're playing to what you know kind of their averages or um kind of what we expect them to play as like the kings are usually winning those games when they go in those slumps so yeah hopefully that they are thinking about this because games matter right now yeah but they're going to matter a lot more in the playoffs like you're saying so you you can't you can't have a repeat of last year where Herder and Barnes go into the quarterfinals right and just <laughs> just lay goose eggs every game and shoot 29% from three because I mean that just absolutely killed us we could have won that series if they stepped up a little or Barnes just hits that three in game four right or game yeah game four mm-hmm. so Hopefully they're starting to think about this down the line. It's still a little early, but hey, you can't, you can never start too early, right? You still got to win the games to get to the playoffs, but I mean, more rest for those guys. I don't see it hurting at all. And they have the depth this year too, you know? You got Malik mm-hmm. Monk. I mean, they had Monk last year, but now having Duarte and even Vezenkov, um, you know, being able to back up those minutes for those guys and even Kessler Edwards. Maybe even Colby Jones. Sure. Like, get these guys to rest so that they're 100% come playoff time. Because playoffs, you know, that's the expectation for sure still. If not, even further. Yeah. And I think, obviously, this point, at this point in the season, this is more just a comment on, like, hey, look how, the reminder of how good they are when these guys are playing at a high level. So, obviously, the strategy of perhaps giving them some time off will be something that happens months down the line. But... You know, I think it's moments like these, seeing them play so well and seeing the Kings play so well, that kind of has to bring up that point that, yeah, we will have to think about that at some point. Because, you know, Barnes is older. Kevin Herter does so much work. And when they're doing those things on the floor that are, you know, impactful, I mean, it makes all the difference. And if you don't have that, it's really glaring. And the depth definitely does help, I think. Chris Duarte, even if he does get fouls, he's been he's been such a dog this season. And, you know, outside of the fouls, and sometimes he looks a little uncertain in the offense, but I think that's going to get a little bit better, and it has gotten a little bit better here and there. But just <laughs> it's crazy to think that Chris Duarte is on this team sometimes. Yeah, you know, it is. You would have thought about that like a year ago. <laughs> like, oh, Chris Duarte is going to be on the Kings. Next. <laughs> You're like, what? That's cool, I guess. Yeah. He's a pretty quality player. He is. He's been great defensively. Mm-hmm. So. And his three shot looks to be getting a little better too. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I think he had a good game against Minnesota, right? Yeah, he's just when those threes are falling and whatnot. I mean, it's it's great. But again, I think there were some moments where he was a little even. I, like I feel like there were a few moments where Domas was like, "No, no, you got to like finish that cutout or something like that." You could see him like talking to him at a few points, and there were moments where you could see Duarte getting a little hesitant or uncertain what to do in certain two-man game situations which is kind of surprising considering they played together but you know i think that'll get better and the depth has been really good but kind of off of that you know keegan murray's missed the last two two technically two and a half games because he sat out the second half against new orleans last monday and the first of two against the pelicans so and i think as of recording today, it's been reported that Keegan Murray was a full participant in Monday's practice, which is kind of a good sign for what we kind of laid out earlier in the podcast of Tuesday's big game against the Warriors. But, you know, those two and a half games off, plus basically all the time, it was almost like a week off when you think about it. 
how much do you think that's going to help Murray? Because, you know, he, I think in the four games prior to the lower back injury, he went five of his last 20 from three. And he's been doing so much work on both ends, trying to improve his impact and his 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 skill level. And that's kind of like prevented him from getting in a prolonged rhythm with his three, I think. I mean, he's had stretch, like a few games here and there where he shot really well, but it's kind of affected like the prolonged weeks of Keegan Murray shooting, you know, above 40 something percent. How much do you think that this two and a half game, about a week absence, you think that's going to help freshen him up? Yeah, I mean, it has to, right? It can only do, you know, good for his rest. Any rest for him at this point is good. It's it's new to him still, too. He's probably not used to this kind of workload, playing so hard on both ends of the floor. So, I mean, having a fresh Keegan Murray in a big game like tonight, I mean, I think it's going to do wonders. It'll be interesting, too, because they're playing the Warriors to see him just kind of with the fresh legs go back at Steph Curry. I think that'll be really great. And if he can go have a 20-plus point game, it could be a huge lift to the team, and it could really set him on the right track after kind of freshening up his legs and his body. It's going to be interesting to see what Keegan Murray's December looks like. Yeah, he's got a big workload cut out for him this year. So I just see how he responds, see if his, he kind of gets used to it. You know, maybe he learns he needs to use more legs under that jumper when he's getting tired or what. But, I mean, his defense looks great, and, I mean, that's a huge step in his game right there. Now, if they can both click on both ends at the same time, I mean, that's OG Ananobi right there, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, don't trade for OG Ananobi. You got him. Keep we going. got him. KM Murray. Imagine if, imagine if he just came back and was as disruptive and dogged on the defensive end as OG Ananobi and shooting the way he we expect him to. And all of a sudden, he's just an all-star. Yeah. I mean, that's really like why that. he can, right? <laughs> one day. One day. Yeah. I don't know if a week off will do that. But no, but I mean. Definitely one day. Yeah, you've definitely seen it. Like his real potential as that legit two-way guy, scorer. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. He's going to be great. He's going to be great. I yeah. guarantee it. Yeah, I mean, I guess he, I mean, just to clarify, I don't know if he'll be as good as OG Ananobi on the defensive end, but his offensive game makes him just an overall star. Yeah. I think is what we're saying. Yes. Exactly. Just for the uh, overly critical out there. <laughs> but, you know... It's interesting. We came into this podcast. The Kings have played two games. They've actually had a lot of time off this week through Thanksgiving, which was nice. Allows everybody to kind of take a step back at a nice time. But the Kings waived Philip Petrushev. And I know everybody's groaning as I say that, losing out on the immensely talented Philip Petrushev, who looks to be, I think he's going to accept an offer from Olympiacos if he hasn't already. So, but. I think the more important thing there is, because I, I don't think anybody really expected Philip Petrushev to make an impact on the floor this season. He'll look like more of a project more than anything, and his defense would have been a huge, huge deficiency that probably would have never put him on the floor anyways. And I guess the big thing here is that the fact that the Kings opened up a roster spot, which, you know, we talked a few weeks back when Keon Ellis was kind of getting in the rotation. Maybe they'd want to convert his two-way contract to a standard contract. That's definitely a possibility. I don't think we can rule that out. It could maybe open up something for a trade, although not immediately. I don't imagine anybody's going to be making a trade right now. Why make a trade now when you can build up values of guys and try to get a better deal in a few months when buyers get a little bit more desperate and needy? So I guess the only other thing maybe is signing a free agent. And the only reason I bring that up is 
you know, and they have Lyles back, who obviously extends a lot of versatility to what you can do at the five. But Alex Len is still out probably, I think, four to six weeks or something like that. And really the only true backup center, like in terms of a true center, is JaVale McGee. And JaVale McGee's been good. He's had a lot of good moments. But I don't know if reliable is the word I would use for him. I think maybe one of the things that's always followed JaVale McGee around his whole career is the fact that he can make a series of good and bad plays in like a small stretch. He can look so great at times and then dip down and just look like his awareness is in the tank and then come back and make another great play. And it can just bounce back and forth, you know, in, in various stretches. And I, I wonder if the Kings would want to bring in another center just to try out. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily a pressing issue. This is just more a thought than anything. But, like, if you look at the free agency, it's obviously very slim. You're talking about either signing somebody old or somebody that hasn't been in the league for a while. But a guy, you know, that I kind of thought about that would be kind of funny is, when was it the Kings brought in Nerland's Noel? You know? <laughs> I mean, he's available. Why, why not bring him back? Just to kind of, even if it's just kind of like a way to motivate JaVale McGee, which was kind of one of the complaints. Now, of course... In getting JaVale McGee, they probably had to like make it certain that he was going to make the roster. Don't make him, don't make a vet that's won three championships go through a, a competition that would have made him win anyways. Why make him go through that? But, you know, one of the things about that center competition we had been talking about with Nerlens Noel and other guys was that that would bring the best out of guys. And it's that motivating factor. So it's like, even if you brought like Nerlens Noel in, I don't know, on a 10 day or something like that, just to kind of like, keep that fire kind of reignited a little bit or turn it up a little bit under JaVale McGee. Now, again, I don't think you necessarily have to do that because he is a guy that's a veteran. He, he's been pretty good in his minutes, but you know, in terms of not making silly mistakes, like fouling a three point shooter, losing sight of the, you know, with the ball in your hands, losing sight of a guy that may be running up behind you to take the ball or, you know, being too ambitious for the block and ending up just committing a foul or offensive fouls, moving screens, things like that, or the speed at which he plays, which has always been a concern of Mike Brown's. He's mentioned it twice in training camp that the one thing for JaVale is that he's got to play fast for every play. You've seen a couple times where he hasn't done that. I think against the Spurs, there was a moment where Wembenyama clearly had a step on him and JaVale McGee never turned on the Jets to follow him up the floor. And the Spurs threw a you know, a pass up floor to the tall, I think the tallest guy in the league. And he got an easy dunk, but it was just that speed factor. And I think he got taken out of the game, JaVale McGee, shortly after that. It's just little things like that where it's like, JaVale still needs to kind of tighten up in terms of fitting the style of play and what he's supposed to be doing. Because in limited minutes, he brings good energy and he does good things, but he's also very mistake prone in terms of fouls potential turnovers and things like that. So maybe kind of pressing that issue like, hey, let's clean this up. You bring in another guy to kind of make it, you know, again, to raise the motivation factor. It's a little far-fetched, I admit, but I don't think it would necessarily be a bad idea. And in Nerland's Noel, we don't really know what he'd bring. He didn't play a lot last season, and he's never shown that he's looked like that one season in New York where he was their backup five and looked extremely good. I think that was in like 2019, 2020. Mm -hmm. But still, I don't think that that would be a terrible idea to kind of, again, as a motivating factor. No, I mean, I see why not, right? I mean, JaVale already kind of lost the job to Len <laughs> before Len injured himself. So, I mean, who's to say that, 
you know, why not have another option in case JaVale loses it again or has the opportunity to lose that job? Because, you know, like you said, JaVale's not perfect. You do have Trey Lyles back to maybe fill in for that center spot if needed. Again, he seems more like a situational guy as he is a smaller guy for that center position. So, yeah, you know, I think it's not a bad idea to have Nerlens there. I think it'll just help keep him accountable. Either that or Terrence Davis <laughs> at this rate, right? I mean, bring back TD, baby. <laughs> I think if like the Keegan Murray injury was like significant, maybe that wouldn't have been a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, where if like Duarte got hurt for an extended time, mm-hmm. I mean Duarte kind of replaced Terrence Davis in a way. Yeah, you don't really need him at the moment, but. I mean, in case down the line, I mean, maybe they just leave it open too and like Keon and Colby, or no, just Keon. Colby's not a two way guy, is he? No. He's got a standard contract, but he has been assigned to Stockton a few times over the last yes. year or two. But, uh, but yeah, for Keon, you know, maybe he'll just play a little more and fill in the kind of as that 15th spot as a two way guy. I, I don't see any reason to change him from a two way guy to a standard contract at that mo- at this moment, so. And maybe they'll just leave it open, leave it open for a trade or whatnot. Um, I don't think that's such a bad idea either. Even if a trade's not coming for a while, I don't think it's exactly necessary to fill the spot. But, I mean, if there was, you know, might as well fill that backup center spot or while Lynn is out or backup, backup center spot. Yeah, exactly. Because I feel like, honestly, if I really think about this realistically, if they brought in Noel, the chances of Noel coming in and making an impact with no training camp, not having played in months... It would be slim, but like in terms mm-hmm. of depth, just to have another body there that's at least played in the NBA and kind of has a skill set that can suit what you want to do there, it wouldn't be a bad idea. And again, it'd be on a limited scale, like something where when Len does come back, you can let Noel go, maybe sign him to, I think you can sign a guy to a max of two 10 day contracts. So that's only a couple, that's about three weeks. So it's not really taking care of the full time that Len's gone, but once Len does come back, then you still have the opportunity to give Keon Ellis a standard contract. Or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe something crazy happens and Noel is like, you know, living up to his uh, lottery pick status, you know. <laughs> but yeah. I don't think that'll happen. It, but just for depth, even then, I don't, I don't, and I'm sure someone's considered it. I'm sure it's maybe been talked about. But just an interesting thought because it's just interesting with Philip Petrushev going. You're hardly thinking about Petrushev so much as the roster. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Very Philip. True. Sorry, Phil. <laughs> yeah. Poor Philip. But he's going to be killing in a, in uh, in Greece. You know, maybe Olympiacos can be like a minor league team for the Kings. It's a little farm system. Yeah. They just have a little deal with them. That'd be kind of funny. With all their players. Guy, right, we're going to call it Phil two years from now. <laughs> Why not? Get rid of Vizinkov. No, he sucks. Take him back. He needs he's, he needs development. He's up now. Yeah, he needs to develop a little more. Go back to Olympiakos. Olympiakos, just the most fun name to say. Olympiakos. 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 I remember first I saw that word. I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, how do you say this? It's always so much easier when you hear it. It's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But it's like looking at it. I'm like, Olymp Olympiakos. Huh? Yeah, it's like it's just like it's not a combination of letters you see. Exactly. Often. So I'm like, oh, I don't know. I think I called it Olymp. I think I called it Olympicanos for like the first <laughs> month. Yeah, 
It's like Olymp- yeah, he plays for Olympicanos. Like saying that with a serious face. Like yeah, I'm saying that right. <laughs> Moron. It's tough. What are you gonna do, huh? What are you gonna do? I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's all I got today. Am I missing anything? No, I think that covers it. You know, I think the NBA Cup is the big takeaway with a two-game week having just passed. All, all eyes yeah. on the NBA Cup. NBA Cup. Will the Kings win their group tonight? And if they do, then I don't know. When do they play next after tonight? Do they play Wednesday against the Clippers. Yeah, they so. play back-to-back with... Is it the Clippers? Yeah, I believe so. I thought it was the Lakers. Why am I? Why I think am I it's so the Clippers. Ins- All right, I'll, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, uh, and then I think they play Saturday against someone. I don't know. Yeah, they play Denver. Denver. It's gonna be a tough one. That'd be fun though. I like it when the Kings match up against the best teams. Really get the good gauge. Yeah, right. It'll be interesting. But yeah, a good week of basketball: Warriors, Clippers, Nuggets, and then you know we'll see if we're in the Cup or not by Monday, or we'll find out tomorrow. But it'll start Monday. We'll have a nice little probably talk Tuesday. Oh, I don't know. The the group stage games are Monday and Tuesday, so I'm not sure when we'll talk to you next, either Tuesday or Wednesday, because we, rec- we record Monday or Tuesday. But, yeah, cool. Kings, man. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be so funny. If they, I mean, it wouldn't be funny, but if the Kings lose tonight, they'll be 9-7 and seven on the year, but they'll only have lost at three teams. Oh, yeah, because... They'll, they'll have lost at Golden State three times. I mean, regardless if they win or lose, they'll, they'll still have only lost at three teams at this moment. But, man, those back-to-backs, man. They hate playing teams back-to-back. That's interesting. So Golden State would just have their number, Houston would have their number, and New Orleans would have their number, and the rest of the league would be like, we almost have your number. Like, no, yeah, you exactly. Don't. <laughs> Nine and over to everyone else. That's crazy. <laughs> well, eight, uh, yeah. I mean, we played the Lakers twice, so I guess eight and oh. Who else is there? Have we played any other team twice? I don't think so. I, th- I think that's it. Yeah, just the Lakers. The only other team we've met up more than once other than the teams we've lost to. So, cool. Well, hopefully this isn't that night. Hopefully the Kings can improve to 10-6 and six and finally beat one of those teams that have beat them more than once. So, yeah. That's all I got, John. You got anything to wrap it up? No. Ring in the Christmas spirit, though. You know, it's that time of year. Yeah, we're uh, we're approaching it. It'll come here soon. But, all right. I want to thank you, as always, for tuning in. And until next time, have a good one.